Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Thou shalt not judge. Um, you know, I think that it, while the, these words don't exactly appear in the Bible this way, um, I think this is what a lot of people in our culture would think. Thou shalt not judge. They, it's one of the most well-known concepts that probably non-Christians, you know, if you ask them, what's the Bible say about it? They know this one. Thou shalt not judge. And they probably think it's one of the Ten Commandments. But it's not if they know it, but maybe they think it ought to be the 11th, right? And, and in the culture in which we live, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, and I would encourage you to go back and listen if you haven't uh, heard that sermon. Uh, the culture in which we live, you remember, there's been this large-scale uh, rejection of an objective approach to truth, and, you know, in exchange for a feelings-based approach to truth. You know, we determine truth by how we feel about it, which is not right, it isn't accurate, um, but that plays into this as well. It's one of the worst things you can do in our culture today, at least if, if you're perceived to be making a judgment about someone else. Okay, and so you get this. Have you ever heard these words? You ever run anybody says you can't judge me, right? Go ahead and go to that if you would, Edward. You can't judge me, or, or the who are you? To judge. How many of you ever run into this anywhere? Okay, if you've had conversations with, with people who don't necessarily eye to eye with you, this is a good chance that you run into this idea. And now, but in some sense, you know, if, if you've ever been judged harshly, if you've ever been judged inaccurately, right? You've, you've been on the receiving end of that. This kind of resonates a little bit, doesn't it? You know, if, if someone's judging you harshly or inaccurately, unfairly, you, what do you do? You can't judge me. Or, you know, who are you to judge me? Well, it, it resonates with us, and there's a reason why as well, because Jesus starts off his most well-known teaching on this passage, I mean, on this concept, by saying, judge not. Okay. And that's where it starts, and that's where it ends for a lot of people. But there is more to the story than that, uh, as we're going to see. We're going to unpack that today. Uh, but first, we should probably decide, what do we mean by judge, when we talk about judging someone? Well, the word that's translated judge here, it, it means to come to a decision by making a judgment. Okay, you're, you're, you're coming to a decision, you're making a judgment, either positive in favor of something or negative. You know, you're going to reject it or condemn it. And typically, it refers to making a determination of right or wrong. Hey, that's not right. That's wrong. Or this is right. Okay? And so that's what this word judge means. Now, we're going to look at two passages that, where Jesus talks about this idea of judging. But just, I'm going to give you up front where we're coming down. Okay, so there's three interconnected biblical truths that apply here. And the first one is this. Our default position as Christians is not to judge others. Okay, it's not. That's, you know what I mean by default, right? In other words, if you aren't even having to think about it, your default position is 
So what I, I naturally, that's where I start. I guess maybe that's the good way to describe a default position. So we don't judge other people. Now, I guess if, if, if there's one thing I could really want you to capture from uh, the scripture today and his teachings on judging others, uh, and there's probably a few, but w- one big thing is, is how you see yourself. You know, one of the ugliest things that you can run into is a Christian who is a judgmental person. It's just, it's not attractive, right? It, and it doesn't match what a Christian is supposed to be. And hang in there. Some of you are going, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. Just, just hang on. Okay? And so what I want to really encourage you is this. Don't view yourself as a judge, but as a fellow traveler on the road of life. You, you, you're, we're going to see you're going to have to make judgments. But don't see yourself primarily as a judge. You know, anybody and everybody in life, I mean, think about this. Was there ever a time when you didn't know Jesus? Uh, for every one of us, there was. Maybe for some of you, you may still not know Jesus, have a relationship with him. But there's a time when you didn't know Jesus, when you were walking and, and living uh, according to your own thoughts about what was right and wrong, and you weren't surrendered to the Lord. And But let me ask you, it, were, and maybe it's possible somebody to say yes, but when that was you, before you came to Jesus, were you thinking, I want to be the most evil person I can be? And I'm going to tear down God. And I'm going to, it's, no, we were what? Sincere. Sincerely wrong. Sincerely messed up. Sincerely lost, right? Because when we, you know, when we realize that we have all sinned against a holy God, that puts us in a bad situation. If we die in that condition, we will be separated from Him forever in hell. Okay, but by God's grace, what did we experience? We learned that Jesus came to earth, the Son of God, God Himself in human form, lives that perfect, sinless life, dies on the cross, and as He does, He pays the penalty for our sins, all of them. And then He rose from the dead three days later, and His offer to us is if you will admit, be honest with yourself and with me, you will admit that you have sinned against the Holy God and you need forgiveness, you need a Savior. And you believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is, and he did what the Bible says he did, that you can then place your faith in Jesus to be your Savior. And when you do that, we call that receiving Christ as Savior. And when he comes in, you get that forgiveness, and you receive eternal life, the promise of heaven. And he moves inside of you. And there's a change that occurs that then begins to work its way out into your life. That's all of us. And so that ought to shape how we look at people. Because the gospel is a great equalizer, isn't it? You know, we as Christians, sometimes we have a a mindset, you know, we know what's right about this, we know what's right about that. And if we aren't careful, it affects how we start looking at other people and how we feel about them. And we can begin to view ourselves as a judge. may not even consciously, right? I'm not saying consciously. But you can come to where that's just what you do. You make judgments about people, okay? But so our default position as Christians is that's not what we do. We don't want to see ourselves as judges, but as fellow travelers with all of these other people uh, on, on the earth, okay? The second thing we're going to see that is Jesus' commands taken together 
show us that making judgments is an inevitable and important part of life. Well, what about judge not? We're going to see that. We'll, we'll see that. But the idea is, if you look at all Jesus' commands, it becomes quite clear that we have to make judgments. The Apostle Paul, in talking to Timothy about what he needed to do, said this. He said, preach the word. Okay, and what did that mean? It included convincing people, rebuking people, exhorting people. Now, you have to make judgments to do those things. Okay, you have to make judgments about what's right or wrong and what's going on in people's lives and, and how they need to be challenged. If you're going to rebuke someone, you're saying what? You're getting something wrong and it needs to be changed. I want to encourage you to change it. So judgments have to be made. And so what we see, and I just, I underlined it on a slide. We must make judgments. We have to. All right. So we're going to talk about how do we do that in a little bit. The third thing is this, that when we need to make judgments, we must be diligent to make sure they are good and right and do not violate Jesus' commands. Okay? We have to make judgments, but let's make sure that we make these judgments the way the Lord has told us to make them. All right, so let's get into the scripture here. John chapter 7. Jesus calling. John chapter 7. In this passage, uh, what has happened? A couple chapters earlier, Jesus healed a man um, who had been sick for like 38 years and, and couldn't walk. I mean, Jesus heals him completely and tells him, hey, pick up this blanket that he's laying on, pick that up with you and go home. And so he does that. Uh, it happened to be on the Sabbath, which for the Jewish people in the Old Testament, the laws, right? You did not work on the Sabbath, right? Six days a week you work, seventh you rested and focused on your relationship with God. And by the way, we don't, as Christians, we don't have a Sabbath, but we would do well to incorporate that idea into our lives where we take, hey, on Sundays, you know, I'm not going to work. I mean, if your job, you have a job that you know, doesn't require your work, I'm going to make a choice. I'm not going to work. I'm going to make sure I connect with my church family, be a part of that. And this is a day when I am going to rest from all of that craziness of the rest of the week. Do you ever find yourself on a Sunday afternoon or evening, maybe sometimes Sunday morning before church, all of a sudden you, you reconnect with that craziness from the rest of the week? And you start running those errands. And you, I mean, I'm encouraging you just to think about doing something different there. Okay? That's not what the sermon's about. You get that for free here. Uh, but anyway, so Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath, and he picked up his blanket. He rolled up his blanket, and he carried it home. Well, the, the self-righteous religious leaders that uh, were just so picky over everything and missed the whole point of, of God's commands... They were upset with him because he was working. And why was he working? Well, he was carrying his blanket home with him after God healed him and told him to pick up his blanket and go home. Okay, And so they were all upset about that. And that's really when they began plotting to kill Jesus. Okay, They started thinking about killing Jesus because we don't like what he's saying and we feel he's a threat to us and all that we're doing. 
So a couple chapters later here, Jesus appears at a, at a special feast, a gathering in Jerusalem. And he's talking to the people here, and he's talking about Moses and the law. Um, let's, let's actually go up and start in verse 19. Jesus asked the, asks these people who were opposing him, Did not Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. None of you keep it perfectly. So why do you seek to kill me? The people answered and said, You have a demon who is seeking to kill you. Well, they didn't know these people, but they were. They were seeking to kill him. Then Jesus gives us some context here. Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work, and you all marvel. He's talking about that healing. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. In other words, literally circumcision started before Moses with Abraham, but it gets incorporated into the law. And the way this worked is a, is a young male child was supposed to be circumcised on the eighth day after he was born. Okay, and so he's going to talk about this. And he says at the end of verse 22, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. So if the eighth day happens to fall on the Sabbath, you circumcise him to keep the law. Right? You could call that work. But say, no, no, this is okay. And so he says this in verse 23, if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? So he's saying, you circumcise, that's a symbol. It's a symbol related to the law and what God's going to do in our hearts. It's a symbol. Okay? And yet you, you do that on a Sabbath day, and yet I didn't give a symbol. I made this man completely whole, completely well. I set him free from the sin and the consequences of his sin that held him there. And are you upset? Why are you angry with me? Because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath. It doesn't make sense, right? Does it, are things out of whack? Certainly they are. And then this is what he says. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So Jesus here is telling them that they have judgments to make, right? We all have judgments to make. But when we make those judgments, we're not supposed to judge by appearance on the basis of just how things look. And, but we are to make sure that our judgment is with righteous judgment. Well, what does this all mean? What Jesus gives us here and, and points to is how do we make good, righteous judgments, okay? So let's look here now. Four factors for making good judgments. And just let me comment to you today, I got carried away this week somehow or other. I got a list of four and a list of three and a list of six. <laughs> So just bear with me, okay? Before factors for making good judgments, and the first one is this. Remember this. While it's good to feel an immediate aversion to evil and wrongdoing, that feeling is not sufficient reason to judge others. Okay? So, I mean, we see these people here, these religious leaders, right? They didn't like what had happened. They, they were all worked up and upset about it, so therefore they judge harshly and wrongly, as we see. Okay, but I would venture to say that the times that you have violated what God says in judging others, okay, and in not judging the right ways, has probably been when you're all worked up about something, right? Is that true? 
Did any of you ever quietly sit you know, and give it two or three days and then say, yeah, man, I am going to give it to that person now? No, usually if you sit and think, you, you come with a better uh, conclusion. So the idea is, is just we need to be cautious. Just because all of a sudden I'm feeling that something isn't right doesn't mean it's time for me to open my mouth and make a judgment. Or in these days, make a judgment on my phone, right? Or on the keyboard or whatever. So, again, this kind of speaks to how we see ourselves. But Jesus, um, when they asked Jesus what's the most important thing in the law, you remember he said two two. Very similar things. One is to love God with your whole being, you know, your heart, your soul, your mind, your abilities, everything to, to love him. And he says the second one is like that, and that is to what? Say it with me if you know. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what kind of love, what does that require of us if we're going to love our neighbors ourselves? And, and how does that affect this idea of judging other people? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it tells us a bunch of stuff about love, and I'm just highlighting a few right up here. Love thinks no evil, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Well, so what does that mean when you think about other people? What's that mean when you think about that person who has just done that thing that you think is terrible or is espousing a view that you just believe that's uh, you know, horrendous, and, and you have these strong feelings. What does loving your neighbor as yourself require of you? It requires that you don't start by thinking evil about somebody. Now, if I were to ask you, Dave, if you look at the news, okay, look at your favorite thing out there that upsets you, and that's the way it works. I have something that upsets me. It's one of my favorite things that upsets me. <laughs> Do you find yourself thinking evil of the person who is holding that position or espousing that position? Okay. Do you believe, this believe all things, do you believe the best about them? I mean, I think I could throw out a few here names right here today that would just stir your heart emotionally. And you would think, honestly, you'd say, I think this person is an evil person. All right? I believe they have a, an agenda that they're, you know, they want... Whatever. But as Christians, we can't start there. Okay, we can't. And even if we end up there, after really considering all things, we always need to be open to the fact that, you know, this person could still change. Do you know what's going on in, in the life of every person? No, like hardly anybody, right? And so sometimes you hear somebody say something or you see them do something and you go, what? What? That's not. And it may not be right, but for you to take that step and now from, instead of judging that action, that belief, that activity, judging that, and now you judge the person. See, you've, you've, you're crossing this line. Now, this is the way we need to love others until we can't. Well, can't you always? Yeah, but here's, you understand what I'm saying? There's you believing the best about someone. Okay, I'm believing the best about this person. And you finally come, you get enough information and all that you realize I was wrong. This person is intending to do harm. This person is, okay? Even at that point, you hold out hope 
that this person still wants to do, you know, wants to, to do what's right or that, has, that may have issues in their life that are just so hard and they've contributed to them being like this. We're not talking about excusing sin. And by the way, when you think about excusing sin, you're pretty good at that in your own life. Right? And so we want to make sure that isn't the... We're not talking about excusing sin. All right? So, but we do need to think about this way about people. Okay, the second factor for making good judgments, and I sort of just mentioned this, the way a situation looks to you at first or even second glance is seldom the whole picture. There's more to this story than you know. It really is. And so we should limit our judgments accordingly. Hold off on judging accordingly because, you know, I don't know what this person is feeling. Third, your judgments must be limited by the way God sees the issue. Okay? And this is, this is what he says here when he talks about, um, well, let's look. Yeah, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. What does this word righteous mean with respect to judgment? Well, righteous means this. It's the moral quality of being right. Uh, go ahead and go to that, Eduardo. The moral quality of being right, being just, okay, in the sense of justice and righteousness. Just, here it is, especially in the eyes of God. Approved by God, righteous, good, but especially in the eyes of God. And so when we come to a situation where we see something that we think is, is not right, it ought to be challenged, it warrants a judgment, you've got to stop and say, wait a minute. Am I seeing this the way God sees it? Because here's the, the really good deal about God. One of the really good deals about God is that he sees all aspects, doesn't he? He knows what's going on in this person's life. He knows what's motivating them. He knows all those kinds of things where you and I have limited knowledge in those areas. Now, we might think, well, wait a minute. Then if I have to see this the way God sees it, then I will never be able to make a judgment. That's not what we're saying. Because what has God done? Has God revealed to us what we need to know to do what we need to do? He has. And so he, he gives us enough information. We're looking at it today. How do I know whether or not to make a judgment in this situation? Okay. And so we can do it. And so that what this means, this idea of when he says, don't judge on appearance is not the way it looks, but judge on uh, but judge righteous judgment, it means consistent with the commands and truths that God has given us in his word. When is it time to judge? We're going to look to the word for that. And it's going to tell us some things there that are very helpful for that. Yeah, go ahead. We're at the next slide there, Eduardo. Consistent with the commands and truth that God has given us in his word. And then in Romans, well, wait, before I go there. Do you know there are some things that God tells us not to judge? To stop judging? When we get into the New Testament, the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul ends up dealing with the problem where Christians are finding themselves not agreeing on everything. Some Christians believe, uh, well, we ought to, um, and we can talk about Sabbath. The Sabbath should be kept uh, rigidly. And other Christians say, no, no, we're free from those requirements of the law. We don't have to do that. And so they disagree with each other. And what do they do? They judge each other and they look down at each other. And that starts happening. So he talks about multiple issues like this. And then he says this. He comes down to a conclusion. He says this. Therefore, 
Let us not judge one another anymore. And those kinds of things. But rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. So see what he's saying. He says, stop arguing and judging one another and putting each other down over those kinds of things. When I haven't given you one solid answer in the word, it isn't, you know, people can disagree about those things. Let me give you an example. Some of you might think, man, we really ought to have a good Friday service. We really ought to, and we never do. And I'm upset by that. And I think Walt just doesn't love God anymore. (laughs) Now, I appreciate that you haven't done that. But do you see what I'm saying? Or the other way around. What's up with you? You think you got to get, what are you? You still come from that old religion you used to come Anyway. And so Paul here, the Holy Spirit leads Paul to say, stop it. Stop making those judgments. Don't. Be convinced in your own mind about what you need to do. And then love your brother. Love your sister. And think, see, this is how he shifted it. Let's think about, wait a minute. Am I causing my brother or sister a problem? By how I'm living? Hmm. You see the shift? We're back to loving one another the way we're supposed to. Okay? So, but judgments must be limited by the way God sees the issue. And then finally, here's the reality. When we, since we can't know everything for sure, we have the word, we do have that, and we're trying to figure these things out. Number four, to make good judgments, you must be wholly surrendered to the Holy Spirit's application of God's word to the circumstances of your life, starting with yourself. And so, it, so many times it comes back to this, the starting point on the sign, right? We surrender to the Lord. We must be growing and, and, and learning and walking with the Lord and trying to live His way. And as we do that consistently, we're depending on Him to show us the things we need to see and understand. He will. He can make it very clear to you that, Walt, now is the time to shut your mouth and Turn off your computer. Or he can make it very clear to me, I actually do need to somehow rather address this. I need to address it in some way. All right. Before we go into our next passage here, let's just ask the question, why do we want to judge? Some of you here today say, oh, I never want to judge. Uh, I just encourage you to think about that a little longer then. Four logical reasons that we find ourselves wanting to judge. Go ahead, Eduardo. And the first one is this. We believe in objective truth related to right and wrong, right? We believe there are truths. We believe things are right. We believe things are wrong, okay? Secondly, we know that Satan wants to sidetrack us from the truth. Satan wants us to get us messed up on that. So we got to hold to this. We, we can't let this slide, okay? There, uh, oh, and, huh, I have a wrong reference here. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's not 1 Corinthians 13, it's 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. Yeah, so we got to make judge, we got to judge this. Okay, so there is truth there. Third reason, as Christians, we have a natural aversion to evil and wrongdoing. You know the Lord, when, when you hear something or see something that's just wrong, you feel it. Okay, so there's an emotional component to that. And then fourthly, the easiest place to see evil and wrongdoing is in other people. You understand what I'm saying, right? I mean, we, we, if we look, we'll definitely be able to see it in ourselves as well. But the easiest place is when it's right there in front of you, somebody else. All right, so let's go to our next passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 7.
This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has been talking about a lot of things here, and he's talked a lot about the heart. Uh, said that the issues oftentimes that we're dealing with out here are really issues of the heart. And he just ends up the idea of, in the previous chapter, put God's kingdom and his righteousness first, which is what I'm challenging you to do here today, too, as well. Then in chapter 7, he says this, Judge not that you be not judged. Okay? And so this is where this judge not terminology comes from. Judge not. Don't judge. But I want to encourage you, I think, because of the second half of that verse, judge not that you be not judged. The idea is this. Do you want to be judged? Do you want people to judge you? Well, then don't judge. Don't be a judgmental person. I think that's the intent, okay? All right? And then he goes on, because he talks about judgments, making judgments. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, so this is that old, right, law of sowing and reaping. And so if you judge harshly, what can you expect? To be judged harshly. And, and let me say, if you judge right, you make righteous judgment, and you have the right motives and all this kind of stuff, can you still expect to be judged? Yeah, because that's the way the world is, and people with sinful natures and all that. Okay, so you're not going to avoid it, but you want to be as gracious as you can. Number three, verse three, and why? So why is a motive question? Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Um, So as I read this and study it and read what other people say, I'm not sure whether Jesus was trying to say, that's your problem and what you're like is way, way bigger and worse than the other person's. Because what happens when you get something in your eye? Can it, is it really bothersome? Oh man, can you think about other things? Oh, I'll, I'll take care of that in an hour. No, it's right now, isn't it? It's in your eye, and oh, it hurts if you close your eye, and it hurts if you open your eye, and you're, you're trying to you know, take care of this. And, and so you can't be paying attention. It's like you have this huge thing in your eye. If you look at somebody else who has something in their eye, they say, oh, I got something in my eye. Can you see? And you look at it. How big does it look to you? Like a speck. It's a small thing. What's the big deal? Grow up. Toughen up. But when it's in your eye, you can't even pay attention. So this is what he's kind of trying to say. It's, it's not trying to say that you're a much worse sinner than this other person. You could be. But it's, it's more the idea you can't. Why do you try to do what you can't do here? What's in your eye is going to affect how you see what's in the other person's eye. Verse 4, and or how? So this is how. How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye? And look, a plank is in your own eye. So it's like, oh, oh man, oh yeah, here, here, let me help you get it. Wait, wait, where's your speck? Let me let me get it. I'll get it out of your eye. You can't do that, can you? How how are you gonna do that? And again, the idea is your own issues will affect how you evaluate other people. And then verse 5, he says, hypocrite. That's a strong word, huh? Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. 
Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. You say, what? Wait a minute. How, how did that verse get there? And what does it mean? Well, I, it actually, uh, for the first time, I saw something a little different this this time as I studied, I think it's very appropriate. But let me just talk about the verse to begin with. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. The idea is giving something, sharing something with somebody for which they have zero interest in or appreciation for. And I'm going to go back and talk about oatmeal cookies with and without raisins, okay? And so the idea is you have a plate with oatmeal cookies, that wonderful oatmeal cookies in their pure state. And then you have a plate that's been corrupted with raisins, okay? And, and somebody sitting at the table, there's a dog there, takes one of the, these pure, lovely oatmeal cookies and gives it to the dog. What are you doing? No, 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 give them the one with the raisins. Because they have no appreciation for what really is good and valuable and wonderful. In fact, I think you'd see some dogs somehow rather manage to eat the cookie and spit the raisins out. But, but you get the idea, the dog has no appreciation, right? I mean, I know my, the dog we had growing up, didn't matter, it would eat it. What's in the bowl? I don't care, I'm going to eat it. Funniest thing, one day my dad put a whole big, large scoop of ice cream in the bowl, and the dog ate it. Bump, bump, gone. And then all of a sudden it had a brain freeze. <laughs> and the dog is on the ground. <laughs> anyway, didn't, didn't slow it down for the next bowl, though, or whatever. But this, it, you know, it's funny, but what he's saying is, is it doesn't always make sense to share something with someone if the end result is not good, and the end result here, they're going to turn on you and go at you, and it's just, there's times not to do that, which I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, so I think what we see here is that Jesus has raised um, some issues that we need to think about before we judge someone. So let's, let's work our way through that. Four, uh, six questions to ask yourself before judging other people. First one is this, stop and think. Do you like to be judged? Okay, so that should give you pause in the beginning. Doesn't mean you don't need to make a judgment, but the idea is, do I like to be judged? Uh, and well, it kind of leads us into the second one. The second question is, how would you want others to judge you? If they're going to judge you, how would you like to be judged? Would you like to be misrepresented when someone ju judges you? Would you like important things that are going on in your life not to be understood? No, you want to be judged by others. Jesus says it, if we look down in, in uh, well, remember we always saw love your neighbor as yourself. How do you want to be judged? But look down in verse 12. You know this. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and prophets. Okay? How do you want to be judged? You want to be judged fairly, don't you? You want people to judge you fairly? You want them to judge you accurately? You want them to judge you as kindly as they can? Yeah, that's what we want, those kinds of things. So ask yourself that question, and then you're gonna, if you're gonna make the judgments, make it with those, make it the way you would want to be judged if it was you, okay? Uh, go to the next slide, Edward, actually probably the next two. 
because we're up for number three now. Is your heart motivation right? You really got to ask yourself, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because it's going to make me feel good? Or am I doing this because this other person needs to be lovingly confronted? Or this view, you know, is potentially really bad for people. However, is your motivation right? And you just, it's where you got to be honest before God. Number four, realizing that your perspective is limited, ask yourself the question, could I be wrong? And that ought to at least make you slow down, right? Could I be wrong? Are there things I don't know about this? Are there things I don't understand about this? Okay, and then number five, are you honestly judging yourself by the same standards? Hmm. Really? Are we? Are we holding ourselves up to that same high standard? Because Jesus says if that's not what's going on, he called them what? Hypocrites. We don't want to be hypocrites, so we need to make sure that a righteous judgment means it applies to me too. And it applies to me first before I judge you. And then the sixth question, is this the right time and venue for sharing this judgment. And I think that's what verse 6 there shows us, the idea there sometimes it's not the right time to share this judgment. It's not going to accomplish good. But see, God isn't interested in us just making sure that we have spoken the truth. We have thrown those words out there. They're true. I just tell it like I see it. (laughs) That's not a Christian approach. The one place the Lord talks about this through the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Philippians, he says, speaking the truth in love. So this is, you know, what's motivating you. Speak the truth in a way that helps people to hear it. If you need to care about these people that you're talking to. And so you want to speak the truth in a way that, that helps them to hear it. You know, uh, a way that doesn't demean them as human beings made in the image of God. You really, really be careful about this thing. Uh, You know, this really has a connection to last week's sermon on how we use our words and the damage that we can do. And so we want to not be that way. By the way, does this mean there's never a time to tell the truth because somebody's going to get angry? No, there are times to do that. Are there times to tell the truth when you can't? I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be any positive outcome from it. But this truth needs to be spoken here at this time for them to hear it. They need to hear this. And they get angry. There's a time to do that. But it's probably not as often as you think. Okay? All right, so... Let's just review these three interconnected biblical truths in this small print here, but to get them all on one page. Our default position as Christians is not to judge others, okay? That's our normal position, should be. Jesus' commands taken together show us that making judgments is an inevitable, important part of life. We must make judgments. We have to make judgments, okay? When we do, when we need to make judgments, we must be diligent to make sure they are good and right and do not violate Jesus' commands and, and one of the biggest of those is that we really genuinely work at loving other people, loving these people that are in our lives. And so 
how we see ourselves. Don't view yourself as a judge, but as a fellow traveler on the road of life. And if you have to make judgments, you have to. Does this make sense? You catching this? Okay. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, thank you for your word that you tell us how to navigate this really sensitive, touchy, sometimes uh, difficult area of life, and especially when we consider how we feel about things and what we want to do about them. I pray, Lord, that we would uh, turn to you and, and ask you to keep shaping our hearts and minds, that uh, we would handle these kinds of issues in a way that honors you, as we've seen in your word today. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, let's, let's see if we have any questions here today, what we got for questions. Because, man, there's a whole bunch. You know how much stuff I left out of this sermon? <laughs> really? I mean, it's just there's so much more that we could have uh, looked at. Oh, yeah, great. We do have some questions here today. All right, here we go. What about making judgments about public figures, politicians, government leaders, television evangelists, etc.? How do we deal with that? Because <laughs> we really don't have a relationship with those people, right? Well, a, a couple of things. First, I, th I think you need, to, you need to work to remember that there's so much you don't know, right? Always remember that, that we don't... Here's the thing. If, if you watch CNN, and that's all you watch, and so you, you now think you know everything about this subject, guess what? There's lots of things you don't know about this subject. If you listen to Fox News all the time, and now you say, I know all about this issue, guess what? You probably don't. Okay? So we need to be alert to that, aware of that. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. So what you have to watch, and, and we've already kind of talked about our attitude, your starting point cannot be, he's lying through his teeth. He's such a jerk. Can't, and, or worse, we, we can't start there. And I get it. It's easy to get there. Sit down and watch YouTube videos for about an hour. So let love and the golden rule guide you. Starting point should be more like, I believe that this is a wrong decision. I believe this is, is, is the wrong policy. I believe this course of action is not going to get us where we need to go. And I believe this for the following reasons. We're not just... When I took a logic class in the University of Missouri in Kansas City, they talked about poisoning the well as a logical fallacy. You get to the point where you say, nothing that comes out of that person's mouth can be true or right. Right? The whole thing, how do you know when a politician's lying? His lips are moving. That's, but that's not true. I understand why, but that's not true. You understand what I'm saying? It isn't. It isn't. Okay, great. Let's see, another question. What does the Bible mean when it says that we will judge angels in 1 Corinthians 6, 3? I don't know. <laughs> is, is that the passage I think that... That's, that's a funny, fair question. Don't misunderstand me. I think it's a good question. I just... 
I don't know if this is where Paul talks about, I don't even judge myself anymore. I don't remember. Oh, well, okay. I, I can give you an answer. Besides just, I don't know. Um, he's talking here about Christians suing each other in court. And he's, he's challenging Christians to, to step to a higher standard. And he says, you need to work this out amongst yourself. And if you need to go to the church, you go to the church and you get help. And because the idea, he's, he's saying that, we, why do you go to the secular courts? We're going to judge angels. I mean, he's talking about the, the, the ability of the church to make good and wise judgments. So that's kind of what he's talking about. All right. Is there a time to make a judgment to distance yourself from the fellowship of a believer when the fellowship causes division in your own mind? Is there a process in which church leadership should address this? Okay, uh, first part of this question, I, I would th think that, yes, and this is not the same idea as I'm judging a person and I'm speaking it out. This is the idea I'm looking at a situation in, in relationships that I have, and I begin to realize that this relationship, you know, I don't really believe what I need, what needs to be believed to be part of this relationship, or I don't think I should do what is expected to be done here. And so you step back from it. You have made a judgment, okay? Uh, but you're making a judgment and then you're just living it out, okay? Now, to what extent church leadership ought to get involved in this, I think it's gonna, that's a, I think there's a lot more context to that question. If it's causing a division in the church, yes. If you have a problem between two people that they can't resolve, yes. Okay, but as far as us being on the lookout to make sure that we capture every little thing, and no, church leaders, the, what we talked about making judgments today also applies to church leaders. Okay, that we have to be follow the same guidelines. So, all right, that probably didn't answer it enough. Oh, okay. No, this, this is good. You didn't need to wait. <laughs> Yesterday's mall shooting, eight dead and more seriously wounded. Judging this man, the shooter, as evil. Is that okay? Well, I would say that I, there are definitely people who are evil people, but let's, let's, I, what we can absolutely say is what the person did was evil. Right? And the person was being motivated by lies, obviously. By things that aren't true. By say, what Satan wants and believes, right? And so in some sense, and it's hard, but as Christians, I think we have compassion on the shooter as well. Now, that doesn't mean every time the conversation, did you hear about that mall shooting? Oh, yes, don't you feel bad for the shooter? No, I don't. I mean, but, but the idea is that I think we, I, I'm, Sometimes when I'm saying things up here, I'm concerned I'm going to say something that doesn't come out. But the idea is that someone acts evil. And they, I mean, Jeffrey Dahmer, right? Most of you remember who he was. Um, he would, that's evil, right? All of evil. Um, but even I think my understanding is that Jeffrey Dahmer came to Christ before he died. I don't know. But see, I mean, we're all, what, fellow travelers. And there, but for the grace of God, go I, right? Are you guys having a problem with this one right here? 
Okay, so I'm saying, I, I don't think we ought to make the victims who were shot all on an equal flooring with it, no. But I just think we gotta be careful that we don't immediately make the judgment that's an evil person. That evil person is probably redeemable the same way you got saved. Okay, so that's, we've got to guard on our thinking. But yeah, I have no problem with thinking it's evil and that this person did evil and how could they be this evil? What's going on to that? Okay, can you give a practical, hypothetical example of what judging someone looks like? Would the person know you're judging them or is it just in your mind? Thank you for asking that question because I almost, I, I, I thought about addressing it in the sermon. Um, when I'm thinking the word judging others and we're talking about these negatives, I think it's where we're actually communicating that we're making the judgment, right? We judge it and we say, you know, something harsh. Uh, we make an accusation. We've made this judgment and now we're communicating it out, okay? Um, once again, is that judgment made on, for all these right ways and for the right reasons? Yeah, so the other person would know. But I think it's it's very possible to be making wrong judgments and never say them. Because inside yourself, you're seeing yourself as the judge. And I'm saying, let's don't see ourselves as the judge. But yes, certainly, there are times when you might, and we already said, there's times you reach judgments and you realize it's not something I need to say. You, you know, you and I might disagree on, on something that... Uh, uh, Let's say it's a minor political issue, and you and I disagree on that. And I, I realize I'm listening to it, and I realize I disagree with you on that. And so in some sense, I've made a judgment, right? I don't think that's the right view. But I'm not, I don't have any ill feelings towards you. I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I think you may have arrived at the wrong conclusion. So if I keep that to myself because there's no profit in dealing with that, then yes, it's definitely possible that you can judge without someone else knowing. And that means you can judge rightfully with someone else not knowing, or you could judge wrongfully. If all these things we've talked about still apply. Okay. Um, okay, what's the difference between thinking evil of someone and thinking someone is evil? Because there are evil people in this world. You know, you know, um, would any, well, yeah, I don't know. I want to answer carefully. We're thinking evil of someone. We're, we're meaning we think that they have done something that's wrong. We think maybe they hold evil beliefs and they're living them out. Right? But thinking evil of that person or, or thinking that person is evil. I, anytime we have a conversation and a disagreement, we have to we have to define our terms, because the question here is because there are evil people in this world. On one sense, I agree with that, but if I'm thinking in a more technical, biblical thing, I would say no. We have, everybody's born with the sin nature, right? And then choices are made and influences are experienced. Uh, and people can be really live that sin nature out. But in that sense, we're all evil, Right? And by God's grace, we haven't experienced those things. So yeah, if, if whoever sent this would like to talk to me more, I'd like to talk to you more about it. I'd be glad to. And we could try to sort that out, okay? Last one here. 
You'd mentioned you had seen another insight in Matthew 7, 6, you say, oh, well, the idea was in um, Matthew 7 there. The, the new insight is that verse 6 actually does connect with the previous five verses. Judging, don't judge. If you judge, all the kind of stuff, don't give the dogs and pigs. What? But I see it now as it's appropriate that there may be times when we make judgments, but it's not the time or place to share them. Because not only will they not be valued or appreciated, it actually may do harm. Okay, create trouble. So, All right, good questions. Uh, lots to think about, huh? But the real key is that we need to humble ourselves before God, remember where we're coming from, love other people, the way we would want to be loved. And then when and if we have to make judgments, we let that guide us. Real quick, give you this idea on social media. This is sad. This is from the beginning. You know, so many times I see Christians say things that are like, wow. That doesn't seem Christian. What Christians become known for is what? Being judgmental. And somehow we want to make sure that we are known well before that, that we are loving people, we care, we value other human beings, we, we're interested in what's right and wrong in a way that helps people, all those kinds of things. And um, so that when we do make a judgment, anybody who has that context is more likely to be able to receive it, okay? Um, but I tell you, there have been plenty of times and seasons in my life where I'm watching what's going down on social media and I go, in the old days, I would have gone, ding, ding. Um, and what I've learned, so here's some practical things I've learned, is I never, like this if I'm in Facebook, I never am typing that in Facebook because I have, at some point in time, accidentally hit the wrong button and it posted. And I wasn't ready for it to post. So really, if I'm going to write that kind of a response with trying to give a thoughtful response, and I'm, I write it somewhere else. I write it in my notes. I write it in a word. I mean, a document. So I write that, and then I give it time. It's interesting because at one point I'd be in our office at home, and Glenn's in the other room, and she'd hear, she'd come and say, "What are you responding to?" Because <laughs> she could tell by the attitude of my fingers. And so the idea is I've learned to, to, it's fine, write it, write it out, think it through. Then you try to give time to let all these other things we've talked about soak in and before you make the judgment. And sometimes there have been times when I go ahead and do it. But here's another key, is that, especially I guess someone in my position, and it depends what your relationship is with those people, I will often, instead of responding there, I will reach out through a personal message and say, hey, I'd love to talk to you about this a little more. Are you open to that? And then we have the conversation there. You understand why? Because otherwise you put people, they're going to lose face, and you're going to, you know, it affects how they respond, and ah! Whew. I can only imagine what it's going to be like when we're in heaven, and we don't have to do this anymore. All right. God bless you. I hope you stay for one of our classes. Love to have you stay. Be profitable for you.